I'm Dennis Mojado, amateur radio call sign AD6DM, and this is the Hamdom Thoughts Podcast. This is a podcast about amateur radio, prepping, software, and tinkering. Today I talk with Steve, KO4AFL. Steve is a regular on the YouTube streams and live chats, and is also known for being a volunteer examiner for the Greater Los Angeles Amateur Radio Group. He's helped many people become new hams, especially during this time of COVID, with online testing. Let's learn more about Steve today. Stay tuned. Steve, thanks for being oh, on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. How you doing? Doing well, doing well, having fun. You're on the East Coast, so uh, South Carolina, is it? That's correct. Cool. Yep. So it's uh, it's kind of like the end of your day. It's uh, it's the afternoon for me when we're recording this. Um, I think this is, I'm not sure, but I think this is episode number 49 for Hamdom Thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So quite a few. And uh, I've had you on my list for quite a time now because I know that you've, uh, you know, I've, I've bantered with you in the live chats and all that kind of stuff. But Oh, um, absolutely. I, I've known recently that you've been really in the, the GLARG, as I call it, the Greater Los Angeles Amateur Radio Group uh, testing. I really admire that. In fact, uh, I wanted to somehow participate and we'll probably be pinging you after this show on how to get more involved in helping people get licensed. Absolutely. We can definitely set you up with that, Dennis. Yeah. But uh, as I've said, I mean, you've, I've seen you on a lot of YouTube live stream, live chats. Uh, you always say hi. Uh, I've seen you on Twitter, uh, Twitter, Twitter quite a bit. <laughs> And yeah, quitters, right? You know, quitter. they usually rage quit from there. So, yeah. <laughs> also on Ham Nuggets, you had quite a cool interview one time, uh, temporarily offline's Ham Nuggets talk, or YouTube yep. talked quite a bit. And yeah, I think I've seen you as well on the Ham Radio Clubhouse. You've been on that, yes, as well, right? Yep, one of the founding members of the Clubhouse. Yeah. So, so uh, you're on there and join in that banter and uh, craziness. Um, but, uh, I mean, before I get too far here, uh, why don't I just open it up to you? Tell us about yourself. I mean, what's your background? What do you do? Or if you're retired, what did you used to do? <laughs> what interests you? I wish you? I was retired. <laughs> yeah, no, how, how did so, you get into ham radio? Yeah, so I'm, I'm an IT guy by trade. Um, you know, so I do um, tech support for government contracts is where I'm at right now. Um, I actually learned about amateur radio when I was learning to fly back in high school. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then never really did anything with it. You know, didn't really explore it. Um, 
a couple of years ago, I had a friend that actually is the fundraiser for a local bicycle event. I keep calling it a race and it's not a race. Um, and my dad and I did the motor marshal for that on the motorcycle. Had a great time and we're sitting there and we're having trouble talking between the bikes with the CBs. You know, we get a mile or two apart and we'd lose each other. You know, the support and gear vehicles that were running around were talking all the way across town. So I asked a couple of guys, I was like, how are you doing this? And they're like, oh, amateur radio. Here, here's a pamphlet. Nice. And <laughs> from there, I was like, I could do this. And they're working off of handhelds. I could get a handheld with Bluetooth, put it on the bike, and then I could be talking all over town. And that's that was November. I got my tech um, that that month, December, I got the general and then April of 20, I got my extra. Wow. So, so it was pretty yeah. fast path for you. you. It's not like, uh, you haven't been a ham since 1964. Like some people I've talked to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 64. Um, I wasn't even a twinkle in my dad's eye at that point. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But that's so. really cool from, from the idea to, being an extra and helping pe other people become hams yeah, within what, like this, a span of two years? Um, not even, because that was, what was that, November? Well, September of 19, I think it was, that I got my tech. And then, yeah, let's see. Now, I guess it was November, December, April. Wow. So 19 to 20. So even less than a year. That's amazing. Less than a year. Wow. But I, I knew I wanted to help other people get licensed because I have friends that are all about the when the stuff hits the fan, how do we communicate? Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, radio seems the most logical for that. I mean, federal government uses it, so why can't we? You know, cell phones are tracked. You know, if, yeah. if they're really wanting to get away, you know, let's put the cell phones in a freezer and boogie. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's really cool. And uh, so far, how many tests have you administered? Oh, um, so actual tests that I've administered, um, maybe a couple hundred wow. for me. Oh, wow. Um I say that I've been part of 145 sessions to date mm -hmm. that we have track on. Um, and since April of 20, which was when we kind of started tracking the online exams, we, we, I say we, Glorg has done 6,697 examinees. Oh, wow. And of that 6,161 elements have been passed. Oh wow! So, so that's uh, and that that's, that's a little over a year. Substantial number for a year. I mean, I just think about the club that I went to to get my extra, and they mm -hmm. they feel great if they get like fifteen people. Um, my local club, who is currently with a different VEC, I'm working on getting them over to Glarg, because um, I'm tired of doing paper, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um. 
I think our last VE session that we actually do at my office, we had two applicants. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they were, hey, we got two. It, you know, it's worth it. I'm like, five of us had to show up for two people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to be there to open the building. And then they had three VEs plus the contact VE to do all the paperwork. Yeah, I'm, I'm so. looking at your QRZ right now. And so you are uh, not only a session manager with GLARG, but you're also an ARRL VE and a W5YI VE. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I should have my W4 VEC, which is my local one, um, very soon. We put in the paperwork a while ago for that. And I have yet to get the badge. So that's coming. Very cool. Well, uh, I can't even remember my number for Glarg, but I have my badge. And uh, yeah, now that I'm talking to you, I'm going to be put to it. I, I, I do want to participate, though. I want to help. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit? How did you get started? Like maybe there's other people who are among the listeners right now who are like, yeah, I wouldn't mind administering a test. Um, how did you get started with online testing and with the Glarg? So I actually got hooked in with Glarg because I knew I wanted to do, um, you know, I wanted to be a VE. I wanted to help out. Um, one of the VEs from my group is actually an advanced class. So he's very limited in what he can do here locally. Yeah, so he's basically the room monitor. He he doesn't grade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I was like, well, I don't want to get stuck at that level. Mm-hmm. So I know I need to get my extra and get it done. Um, I was looking, and the there's two clubs here in town. One uses W4 VEC. The other at the time was using the ARRL. And I knew the league had a test that you had to take to be a VE. But if you were accredited through another VEC, they would give you your accreditation right off the rip. Mm-hmm. So I started looking around to see who I could get accredited through, and Glard popped up. And I put in the accreditation paperwork as a general and got a response back um, from somebody who I'm actually very close with now saying, you know, it'd be a whole lot better if you were an extra, mm-hmm. but we'll go ahead and accredit you, you know, um, but you're limited on what you can do. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, I just want to help out. And they said, okay. Well, um, that's back when we were using what we called tier one on exam tools. Mm-hmm. And that was exam tools at that point was designed for an in-person electronic test Mm -hmm. so the ve would actually have to come over and log in Mm -hmm. and allow you to start the test um richard bateman has done a lot of upgrading to his system and now you know the applicant hits a button and we just approve it from sitting at the house and they start their test and we watch them yep and it's made it a whole lot easier um but yeah, I basically promised some of the folks over at Glarg I'd go ahead and get my extra to, you know, really help them out. And then I opened my mouth one day. Um, we had 15 people in a session, 15 applicants. 
And they're like, you know, this is a lot of work. And I was like, yeah, but we can do more. And they went, how? <laughs> and we had already figured out breakout rooms with Zoom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we put four VEs in a breakout room and then we'd send an applicant over. And a couple of us are like, we can do a hundred in a day. Wow. And they're like, there's no way. I said, sure. I said, and I'll run it for you. And they went, okay, go for it. <laughs> and, you know, between myself and a few other people, we figured out how to get the flow really down. And now we have done 125 in one session. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. That is amazing. It, I can't even really picture it, but wow. Well, 125 applicants, and I want to say it was 95 VEs in that session. That's a lot of coordination. It was. Um, but it works out really well with some of the things we do on the back end that the applicants don't see. You know, we have a spreadsheet for the larger sessions um, where we know what VE is in what room. And the VE will click just a checkbox in a spreadsheet to show that they're done. And now with the updates to Zoom, they can actually go pull their next applicant. Mm -hmm. Okay. The the Zoom master, as we were calling it, doesn't even have to do much after they get everything situated. Mm -hmm. So it, the first 10 minutes of the session are very crazy when I you're talking imagine. 20 plus people. Yeah. Um. But then after that, it's, you know, sit back and chat with your friends, you know. It's kind of assembly nice. line after that, right? It, it very much is. And if we have the applicants spaced out, um, we figured out about a 10-minute spacing on having applicants come in. Works out well that people aren't sitting in a room waiting to take a test. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we went, we've got a welcome room. You know, one or two pre-check rooms just to make sure their computer's ready to go. Mm -hmm. Nothing questionable on their monitor, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. And then we've run as as many as 20 actual testing rooms. Mm -hmm. And we actually had one session where people were getting a notification that we weren't allowed any more people in the session. We had maxed out Zoom. <laughs> And so middle, middle of the session, we had to upgrade our Zoom account to allow everybody in. Oh, boy. And luckily, it you know, they paid it, and all of a sudden, boom, it opened up, and everybody oh, nice. else filed in. Yeah, I think I've well. been to one virtual club meeting where they, they reached the limit of their account, and it wasn't like that where they just upgraded it on the spot. They're just like, sorry, you, you can catch the replay or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to say Long Island CW had that happen. And the step up in the upgrade is uh, rather, rather a big pill to swallow. Yeah. You know, when it comes to a small, you know, small to medium sized club. Yeah. But, well, let me uh, break it down a little bit further because, uh, you know, right now, I mean, every one of us hams has, has memories of our own exam, but, Mm -hmm. um, tell us about some of the activities that go into an exam. I mean, I know that there's, you know, everyone being prepped, introed to what's about to happen. And then you have 
at least three or maybe just three uh, extras who will do the grading. Uh, can you just kind of explain the, the whole examination process? Yeah. So when I run a session, I like to have four VEs, generally four extra class VEs. Um, occasionally I'll throw a general in a room with them. If I've got a general in the room, they're usually my room lead. So what they do is they do all of the discussion with the applicant. Um, you know, they have them show their computer screen. Well, check their ID, you know, just hold it up to the camera. Everybody says, yeah, I'm good with it. Then we do a, a slow tour of the room. We're not looking for, you know, how clean your room is. We want to make sure you don't have the band plan sitting in front of you and, you know, notes posted up on the ceiling or yeah. around your monitor, um, which is why we generally tell people, if you have a spare bathroom in the house, use that, mm -hmm. you know, because that way, oh, look, there's a big mirror behind you. I can see everything. Yeah. You know, uh, we've had people set up, you know, literally on the back of the commode. They put the laptop on the back of the commode, you know, lid closed, thankfully, <laughs> and take their <laughs> test right there. You know, um, I think one of the demo videos has that where someone's just sitting in their bathroom taking the test. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, those demos were done by Marcel, Marcel Stabler, who is a amazing guy. And he was the one that kind of pushed me to go to the hundred mark. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. uh, he was trying and, you know, it just didn't work out. Um, he does a lot of exams with, oh, he's going to kill me if I get the college name wrong. Craig's daughter just got accepted there. It's the San Luis Obispo campus. Cal out Poly? There in California. Cal Poly? Cal Poly. Okay. Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Mm. Um, so, you know, because of their club, you know, they pulled Glargan to do the large test. And if you've seen his um, PowerPoint, you see how many students they have taking that test. There's no way they could do it with the human malware virus regulations. I don't know if you get demonetized or anything, so I'll be nice. <laughs> There's no money flowing yeah. with this podcast, I'll tell you that. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, but... Um, you know, there's no way they could have the spacing required. So when we said, look, we can do this through Zoom, you know, he was all about it. Mm -hmm. And he actually shows one of his slides. He has actually my setup where I had three monitors going mm -hmm. just to manage everything. Wow. Um, and yeah, that was crazy. But back to the actual test, um, the... You know, the applicant shows us their room and then they share their screen and we're looking for, you know, what chat programs do they have open? If they're on a Mac, do they have do not disturb turned on so they won't get the pop ups? You know, you won't get the Mike's mom is calling pop up on your screen. <laughs> you know, got to throw that in there. <laughs> uh, hey, I, I got to give my boy Kate and MRD a little bit of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Good guy. No, so. uh, real quick with that, though. Have you ever encountered a situation where someone had like hamstudy.org open or or any kind of like suspect 
chat apps, like his his extra on the line to to have a phone a friend kind of thing. <laughs> um, there there have been a few different things that have popped up. I'm not going to say what they are in case anybody's listening that they want to try this. We know what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a group that actually makes you remove any smartwatches. Oh, okay. you know they want they want to see your cell phone go onto the bed behind you or you know out of the room completely, and then they do another room tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know things like that. Um, we have seen post-it notes on the ceiling. Interesting. You know, um, <laughs> books on the floor. Uh-huh. You know, it's like okay, come on, be a little more creative. <laughs> um, you know, has cheating happened? I'm sure it has. Have we seen it? Not to my knowledge. Okay. We've caught, you know, I know of a handful of times where we've actually told somebody, we're not comfortable with your exam. We're not going to grade it. Oh, okay. And every time we've said that, they've said, okay, and gone on about their day. Mm-hmm. You know, so they walk out without a license. It yeah. is what it is, that's, you know. That's part of it. That's part of the uh, the whole VE structure is verifying yeah. and, and being confident in the uh, the answers. Yep. But yeah, so our you know our room lead does all the discussion. Make sure the VEs are good with the the cleanliness of the room, and by that, and not a lot of clutter. Like if you could see my desk right now, it would not pass muster. <laughs> Um, I have the typical ham workbench of, I have 45 projects going on it and none of them are even a third finished. Uh, So, you know, um, but yeah, I would literally have to take my test in another room. It's that bad in here. Mm -hmm. You know, we would prefer they not take it in their shack. You know, if they're a tech or even a general, we don't want them near the radios because everybody's got a band plan or should have a band plan nearby. Um, yeah, right. You know. Mine is right up here, right above my monitor. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so you don't operate out of band. Oh, but you're an extra, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, no, but even now, this is, else, so. this is a little bit of an admission of um, embarrassment, but even now, someone will be like, oh, I'm on uh, 18.110 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, what is that again? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's 17 meters. Oh, I forgot. You know, it's yep. like I don't I the the correlation for those obscure bands I don't quite have in my brain yet. <laughs> I was going to say I've got 20 and 40 down pretty well, but that's because I do a lot of poda or yeah. I try to do a lot of poda. Yeah. Um you know, I don't get out near as much as I'd like to. I'm going to fix that. You know. But my plan is to activate all of South Carolina by the end of the year. Nice. Um, right now, I think we have 113 parks. Yeah. And I have two nice. that are going to give me a problem to activate. I'm just because you have to take the, a boat uh, to get there. Looking at the map, so you're uh, kind of north of North Charleston. Yes. And there's there's plenty of state to the west of you to oh, check out. Oh, yes. West and north. Yeah. But luckily, my folks live kind of in the midpoint of the state. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll go up to their house, you know, like on a Friday afternoon, and I can hit a number of parks on the way there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, get up early in the morning, go out one direction, you know, make a loop, hit those parks, come back, have dinner with them. The next day, go out the other direction, you know, and then either work remotely on the Monday, don't tell my boss, or, you know, <laughs> take the day off, one of the work, two, and work, work pro- parks on my way home. Work with so, air quotes? Is that how it yeah. is? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm an IT guy, you know, <laughs> a lot of what I can do, I can do remotely. True. So before I get into that, your POTA and, and, and your favorite gear and stuff, I wanted to ask you though, um, your impressions of remote testing. I mean, naturally I would expect it to be positive, but what impact do you think this has had just overall on the, on, on getting hams licensed and, and bringing in more members to the various clubs? So honestly, I think it's had a negative impact on the clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of stuff has had negative impact on clubs. You've got your typical OMs that instead of saying, hey, you know, really you shouldn't call CQ on a repeater. Mm-hmm. You know, call for a radio check and somebody is listening and they'll, they'll talk with you. Um, they get ugly with it, you know, or, you know, FT8's ruining, you know, ham radio which I think they said that about CW. They said that about sideband. You know, they said, I'll never have a computer in my ham shack. Mm -hmm. And now they're running an ICOM 7300 or even a flex. Yeah. Well, that is a computer. (laughs) Well, let's be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Software defined radios are computers. Go figure. Um, For the testing side, I think it's been absolutely amazing because I know I have personally been involved with at least four tests that would have never happened had it not been for remote testing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we've done two that were completely homebound, like can't get out of the house at all, and two blind hams or visually impaired hams, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a whole process in and of itself that we had to get the VEC chair involved Mm -hmm. on this is how we want to do it. You know, does this fit your interpretation of the rules? Mm -hmm. And they said, record it. Yeah. And we want to rewatch it and verify. And, you know, they went for it. So it worked out. Nice. That those two exams took six VEs just for two exams, six each. Mm -hmm. Because you had the three grading, then you had one person reading the questions and the answers, and another marking the answers. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the visually impaired could not see the screen, and luckily, you know, Richard was able to put in an option into exam tools that you can skip the figured questions. Mm, okay. So there's no diagrams, nothing to explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it worked out very well for us. The yeah. first time we got lucky and just didn't get one of those questions. The second time he actually had the option in there. Mm-hmm. 
because we said this could be a problem yeah you know i'm just trying to yeah. imagine uh being confronted with uh, one of those those complex diagrams and not even being able to see it right yeah you know how do you explain each thing without giving out the answer yeah wow so well that's great yeah and uh but, you know you're you're looking at tests coming up uh i know that a lot of states are reopening uh but do you do you think that this this testing method is going to be the norm is it going to be kind of like the way that things are done now i think it's always going to be an option you know for those vecs that have embraced it uh, you know we have a, a number of vecs in the country and i'm not going to give that number because i always get it wrong i think we have four that have embraced remote testing mm -hmm. and that's glarg w5yi the league in a very limited capacity and anchorage mm -hmm. and the consensus is remote testing was originally brought in for the anchorage vec you know they had their own program they designed and yes it was remote but it was remote with a proctor so they had somebody in the room mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know covid didn't really allow for that yeah so you know we it got expanded a little bit and it's like i said it's been great um i honestly think it's more i don't know that secure is the right term but the integrity is there more so mm -hmm. with remote testing than it is in person mm. you know and i'll go back to the cal poly example you put a hundred freshman students in an auditorium and you have four ve's in the room yeah what's the percentage of those students that are going to cheat on the exam yeah it's tough you know. to monitor that many people, yeah. Yeah, it, it's tough to monitor. Whereas with remote testing, if I have four VEs per applicant, yeah, that's four sets of eyes watching each person take a test. Yeah. Yeah, and with Zoom, you split the screen, you can see their face on one side and their screen on the other. Yeah. You know. I mean, so, uh, in in uh, the late '90s, I used to proctor the SAT exams, and just even handling a, a classroom of twenty, twenty-five people, it was oh, challenging yeah. to just keep an eye on everyone. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, the SATs—you know—you really can't cheat those. You can, but it hurts you more if you do. You know, if you cheat a ham radio exam, what's it get you? Yeah. It gets you some frequency allocation, you know. But if you're doing stuff wrong, the hams are going to come after you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you're being a stan, you know, or, you know, recent news, if you're being the Cuban government, you know. Yeah. They're going to triangulate you. They're going to know who's doing it. 
it's not that hard. So, and uh, Stan yeah. being referenced to uh, the smoking ape, our of good course. friend, the smoking ape, he uses that term being a yep. Stan or his buddy Stan, his buddy was, Stan, who was doing something crazy or ridiculous. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, let's switch gears here. You mentioned Poda. And that yeah. you, you want to activate parks. So tell me about that. Tell me about what you like to do in ham radio uh, outside of helping other hams become licensed. So my first experience, you know, with HF was actually a winter field day. Oh, and I okay. showed up just to kind of see what was going on. You know, I had my tech. I hadn't had my general yet. And I was like, well, let's see. And the uh, the club that I got hooked in with, they're like, well, sit down with the radio. We'll, we'll tell you what to say. Don't worry about it. You know, you'll use our call, so you're, you're legal. And I'm like, okay. My first ever contact was Slovenia. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, wait. How far away is he? <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh! And at that point, it's you know the hook set. Reel me in. Oh boy, that would I'm do done. it. That would do it. <laughs> and believe it or not, that was on a Wolf River coil, on a Yesu, eight ninety seven. Nice. You know, barely pushing a hundred watts sideband, mm-hmm. and it was crystal clear. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in game on um so can we safely say that your your favorite mode is is phone single sideband i i really enjoy sideband um i do play with ft8 because i have a very high noise floor on hf here at the house Mm, okay and ft8 kind of gets through um but I kind of want to get into contesting, which is where I like the POTA aspect, but I like getting out and getting away. So, you know, POTA kind of gives me both of those in one. Yeah. Yeah. I can get out, but then I'm also the DX. I'm the pile up. Yeah. And that's always, you know, the rush of that is great. Um, so yeah, I, that, I noticed that you're taking uh, Long Island CW club classes getting into code, the CW. Um, yeah. Is there is there a lot of CW that happens on POTA? Oh, my God, yes. Um, surprisingly. Okay. You know, and in talking to the guys at Long Island, there has been more of a demand for CW since they dropped the CW requirement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, I don't have to know this. Now I want to know it. It's yeah. kind of a, a secret language, if you will. Um, and, you know, I'm over here in Foreland, which all of Foreland probably matches all of Sixland. You know, but we cover a whole lot more states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was one guy doing the logs for POTA for Foreland, and he turned 80 last month. And he's like, I kind of want to step away. I want to. I want to go play radio. And so I stepped up along with a couple other guys, 
and now we control four land. We do all the log uploading. Okay. You know, there's th three of us that are doing it kind of full time, and we have one backup that fills in for us. Well, that's cool. Um, in a month, I've uploaded almost 800 logs for people. Wow. And I have one guy that 90% of his log is CW. Nice. And a lot of people are doing a lot of CW. So that's something that you want to get into? CW activating of parks? I definitely want to try it. Um, because, you know, if you look at it on a scope, you know, say the 7300 or even the 705, you know, you're looking at it on that waterfall. Sideband is three kilohertz, you know. So it takes a good bit of power to get that signal a good distance. Well, as you step down in modes, you know, that bandwidth gets smaller and smaller. And CW goes out on, what is it, 50 hertz or something? It's a really narrow yeah, band. Very narrow. And uh, I'm going to tag on my buddy Bill Brown, um, K4NYM, you know, New York Mets. He's a big Mets fan. He does a lot of CW POTA. And with the plaque weekend coming up, I know he's going to keep me busy uploading logs because he's already told me <laughs> he wants that plaque. Nice. Um, for most parks activated so um right now that record's held at 50 in one weekend 50 parks in two days 50 different 50 parks in uh yeah 48 hours wow. <laughs> and the the guy that did it slept from what i've heard slept about three hours man and it was activate a park move activate a park move yeah you know, get get your ten plus a couple in case you have a dupe or something, mm -hmm. and move on to the next one. Wow! So yeah, it's it's insane. Um, but yeah, Bill does a lot of CW, and I've even seen some ZLs on his from Florida. So it's probably yeah, like a, an efficiency thing too. If you're doing CW it activations, it's kind of like it's a faster mode of exchange, I would imagine, mm -hmm. and as well as a, a less bandwidth mode of exchange. So you're you're getting your signal out better. Yep. And you know, I've I've never been known as a good speller, so I'm not going to rag you on CW. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll admit yes. that. Um, it, <laughs> If I can get the code down to where I'm consistent at 15 to 20 words a minute, mm -hmm. you know, just CQ POTA, my call sign, and 599, Yeah, I think I'll do all right. And plus, yeah. I, I noticed um, I was looking for you on YouTube, and I found your one video so far, and it is a 705. Basically, it's not even an unboxing. It's just a the box and you're saying yeah look what i got here I'm gonna start uh, talking about this more so i'm imagining that that's your that's going to be your portable setup your shack in the field yeah uh i'm playing with that um because it's you know single hookup for ft8 and i, I want to do a little bit of digital out in the field um i also like to travel on my motorcycle so i wanted something small mm -hmm. that i could throw in the saddlebag you know, yeah. throw in a KM4 ACK in fed yeah. and I'm ready to activate. Yep. You know, throw a wire in a tree and hit the PTT, I guess is what they always say. 
Yeah. Wire in a tree and PTT. That's a good, that's a good one. I've not heard that. <laughs> really? I, yeah. I think T.O. says that quite a bit, actually. Nice. You know, I can't take credit for that. Um, so tell me uh, about your shack at home. How, how does it differ? So the shack at the house is actually, I'm going to be called an ICOM fanboy. I already hear it coming. <laughs> but uh, I've got a, an IC7100 that I use here at the uh, house. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, and I've got it set for both two meter as well as HF. I've so got a DX is that the one the with the here. unique face plate, the one that's kind of at an angle, the seventy one hundred? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah the the alarm clock as it's been called. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I could see that. It, it's got that angle. <laughs> it's actually, if you look at it, you look at it on the shelf, it looks funny because it is. It's sitting at that angle. And everybody's like, no, it's supposed to be a square box, you know. Radios are square. But look at every 705 video out there right now. Yeah. They're, they're all angled back yeah, so you can see Tilting the them up. They're, they're going through very creative and complex ways to tilt that thing up. <laughs> and that's the angle that the 7100 sits at. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, even even really, in my case, I have the, the Maestro for the Flex Radio. And okay. that's purposely angled because that's how people want to see it. That's how it's easy access to the knobs and you're not having to be level with the screen to, yep. to look and at e- it best. Easy on the eyes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe one day I'll grow up and get a flex. Um, but uh, well, I'm that, actually surprised. I'm surprised you said 7100. I was expecting you to say 7300. Since it's so close to the 705 in, in you know interface and all that kind of stuff, like the the menu system and everything is like second nature for a 7300 user. It is. It is. Um, when when I was getting into HF, you know, and actually, you know, had funds available, I couldn't get a 7300. They were sold out. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and if you wanted one used. You paid more than new. Oh wow! Yeah, that's like what is it, the eight fifty seven Yesu mm-hmm. that right now go for like two grand on eBay. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got an eight fifty seven. I didn't know I could sell for more than two and a half times what I got it for. Oh yeah, but if you do that, you're gonna regret it because you're gonna yeah. want that radio back. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean it's. The 7100, I got it because it's got the remote face and it was readily available. You know, I got it secondhand. I took a chance, but it's worked out well for me. You know, I enjoy it. It's hooked into a Raspberry Pi that I remote into for, you know, digital modes and things. Um, But uh, I actually, I'm proud of the 7100. You know, because like I said, it's running into a DX commander in the backyard. Mm-hmm. I've luckily, being on the East Coast, I can have a little more property and no HOA, so I, I'm all right here. Um, I was able to work a clean sweep on the Last Man Standing event. Oh, from oh, the house. Wow. Cool. All on sideband. So. Yeah. And my stage contact was done via D-Star. Nice. So, 
yeah <laughs> I, I i enjoy that qsl card that that's one that i really hold near and dear that's another cool thing i love about icom is that you're getting you're typically getting it for something like hf or or mm-hmm. you know the the screen the beautiful waterfall but then they just throw in d star there so now suddenly you're <laughs> you open up this world of of digital voice and reflectors and and you just got this d star radio like i wasn't if if the 705 didn't come with d star it wouldn't be any less awesome to me right but yeah. i was just like wow well i got now i have another d star radio <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and that's you know a lot of guys get pushed more towards DMR, and DMR is a great mode, but programming is a pain. Yeah. And, you know, our buddy Jason over there at Ham Radio 2.0 has great videos on how to program DMR. And that's all well and good. Everybody gets into DMR because you have the inexpensive DMR radios out there. And I'm not knocking them because I own one, I've got an ATO 878. That's currently my motorcycle mobile radio. Um, it it's a great radio. It does two meter, seventy centimeter, you know, FM, as well as DMR. You know, as long as you have it programmed. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I like hanging out on on DMR Brandmeister talk groups. Um, okay. But I no longer have a DMR radio. I'm just going in through the Open Spot Three. And, and transcoding the the D star to Brandmeister. So I hang out on TG ninety three when I want to listen to the world. I find it a bit more active than uh, Reflector zero zero one Charlie or zero three zero Charlie. Typically nowadays, I, I, I and I like hearing what's going on in the DMR world. But um, yeah, I was I was contemplating: Do I want to get one of these uh, any tones? Have yet another handheld. You can you can see the audience can't see, but you can see behind me. I got a bunch of bunch of HTs yeah. there on the shelf. Some of them are charging. Uh, and I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to get a DMR radio again. Ah, I'll just get the OpenSpot three. Then I can go on anything. Yeah, I, I was gonna. <laughs> that's that's what's nice about the OpenSpot is you know it transcodes all modes. You know, yeah. all digital modes, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting over here with the Pi Star, being an IT guy. I like to tinker. I like to build. So I've got, oh, uh, well, five Pies within arm's reach, all mm-hmm. doing something amateur radio related. Nice. Yeah. You know. So I've got the Pi Star for my digital modes. I've got a All Star node running a Sherry. Yep. Um, and then I've got you know the one hooked to the 7100 and then i've got a few i've got a build a pie script in my go box um that's sitting behind me here and then i've got you know a hand clock around here someplace but had issues because i tried to use the pie screen and it didn't couldn't get the size right Mm -hmm. so yeah, I was also introduced to All Star by Sean uh, W9FFF Ham yeah. Radio Dude. He he oh, talked yeah. about it, and I was like, "Wait a second, this has been around for decades. What's going on here?" And uh, he sent me a Sherry module, so now I have one of my analog HTs hooked into that. 
and listening okay. and uh, kind of opens up the world of, of repeaters in addition to all-star nodes. I'm, I'm thinking of buying a bunch of these little sherry modules and sending them out to my friends who only have Baofengs. And we could talk that way instead of me forcing them to get on D-Star <laughs> and buy a hotspot. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, the, the entry price there is uh, quite a bit different, you know. Yeah. You can get in, you know, you can get into All-Star for couple hundred bucks yeah you know whereas if you go d star you're talking a good bit more for the radio plus the hot spot you know yes and plus the yeah. struggles everyone i've known who wants to go cheap on the hot spot will inevitably contact me about setting up pi star and all the the weird menus and quirks of getting that to work which i oh, mean yes. yeah it's it's a little complicated, and then once it works, um, it's great. But I've had even a few friends have it work for months, and then suddenly it stops, and then we're back into diagnosis mode and trying to figure out what the heck, what's going on with this, this pie hat. Yep. Yeah. I, I've had two of those do that to me. Um, and, you know, if you go cheap, you get what you pay for, unfortunately. And I think one of them was my card failed. Yeah. Yeah, the the SD card. I've um, had that happen too, yeah. You know, and another one I tried to do the firmware update on the Pi Hat and because it didn't have the jumper, I couldn't do it, but I tried anyway. <laughs> okay. Bricked the hat. <laughs> you live, you learn. And you know. there goes what, thirty, forty, fifty dollars right there for the hat? Or Oh no, more? no, no, no. That that was a Amazon special. I think it might have been twenty. Okay. Yeah. Well. So, you mentioned motorcycle mobile. Uh, can you tell us a bit about your experiences with that? I mean, is that mostly repeaters, or are you trying to do one four six five two and just talk to people? So, I did it more for the charity bike events. Being a motor marshal, they used APRS to track the vehicles. Oh, okay. So they kind of can play the the chess game via. APRS.fi. Um, I've already got Bluetooth in my helmet because I didn't care for the wire going to the bike. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've got a got a big touring motorcycle um, made by Yamaha, and it's got the full infotainment system, if you will. So it's got CB, FM, plus an iPod control, and. I figured out how to Bluetooth a helmet to the bike thanks to Senna. And I still have all the functions, you know, but I have actually a better intercom with my wife when we're on the bike. Interesting. And now I have the option of actually answering my cell phone as I'm riding, say, to DC from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, because my dad and I go up every year for what used to be called Rolling Thunder. That's where the Anytone kind of really sparked my interest. Um, not so much for the DMR, but for the Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah. Because I can hook that up instead of my phone. Yeah. I still have all my bike controls that come through, but I also have the amateur radio that comes through now. Yeah. And because... I run mostly the iPod 
instead of terrestrial radio. I have the I have a roll up J pole zip tied to my FM antenna mm-hmm. for two meters for repeater work or APRS. You know. And and I just I kind of play with that for local stuff. I haven't done distance with that yet. Um that's coming. I'm gonna gonna try, but yeah, you're giving me some ideas. I'm still trying to figure out motorcycle mobile. And well, if I could figure out where to mount that 705 on the handlebars, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool too. Although you can't really pay attention too much to the the waterfall in that case, but still, well, it would yeah. be cool. But, yeah, the Bluetooth know, I, aspect of it I've been hearing a lot about recently. Uh, I know that mm-hmm. Josh KIA6NAZ had recently tried to go covert with his Bluetooth uh, module. Um, (laughs) And there's various other things. And I I am seeing in the motorcycle world more and more Bluetooth accessories for for this kind of comms. So hopefully I can get something going with that. And actually, I talked to a gentleman that wanted to become a Glarg VE um, because he needed kind of electronic access um, to do testing for an EOC group up in Tennessee that uses the Vero radio, the completely Bluetooth controlled, and actually have one of those as well. Um, right now it's sitting under the seat in the wife's car because she didn't want a big display in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really doesn't even want an antenna on the car, but I think she's going to lose that battle. <laughs> we just won't tell her. I'll just put it on there. <laughs> As I look over my shoulder to see if she's back there. <laughs> um, you know, but that's a great little radio because it's completely app controlled. Mm-hmm. You know, that one would work out well for motorcycle mobile as well mm-hmm. because it comes with the, you know, push to talk or you can get the Bluetooth speaker mic that goes with it. Yeah. I don't know how well that would work at speed, but if you had it hooked to, you know, a Bluetooth helmet, or headset in the helmet, you know. And that's, could work that's out. how you do it right now is a helmet mic. Yep. I'm running a Cena S20 um, in the helmet, and I've actually talked to people running 70 miles an hour, we'll say, down the interstate. Mm-hmm. And they're like, where are you at? I'm like, on the bike. And they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am too quiet they can't tell yeah it, it sounds like i'm sitting in the house talking on my cell phone mm-hmm. and i'm like that's great um i've tried it a couple of times with the anytone into the local repeaters and the guys are like which radio are you on today because you sound better and i'm like really <laughs> wait i sound better on this cobbled together project than I do my 4100 in my personal car. Yeah, I, I can see it now. You'll just start wearing your helmet in your car and in your house just so you can sound better on the repeaters. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, back when I uh, got licensed for motor, uh, my motorcycle license, I I was thinking about this problem. I wasn't really even a serious ham back then, but I was thinking, how do I? how can I talk to people like via phone or via walkie-talkie to the other riders that I'm with. And back then, there were a lot of these, um, like, military-style throat mics 
that are supposed to be mm-hmm. super noise canceling. Uh, never really got far with that. And then I was settling on some of these in helmet, like embedded mics and, you know, the, uh, the speakers and the ear cups of your helmet. Um, is that what you're dealing with now? Is that, that Cena thing that you're talking about? Yeah, that's basically how it's set up. Um, there's a module that's clipped to the side of the helmet that has a, uh, because I run a modular, you know, full face style helmet. Um, so it's a hard uh, gooseneck mic that's tucked under the edge right in front of me. And then the speakers are tucked into the sides, actually cutouts in the foam just for the speakers. Mm, okay. And, you know, make it, I'm still playing with the adjustment to get the sound just right to hear. But that radio will let, or that, yeah, radio, really, because it's Bluetooth, um, will last me all day. You know, I can run just about nine hours on a charge. Nice. So my trip from, you know, outside of Charleston to D.C. that lasts the whole way playing the iPod or, you know, the HRCC podcast, which gets me about halfway there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know. Or one-tenth of the way if you listen to Hamden Thoughts, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's, you know, I, I was caught up when I went on the trip. So, you know, I had the HRCC podcast that I had to play. And yeah, luckily, my phone was smart enough to pause when CB would kick in. Oh, okay. So my dad would call me from his bike and, you know, I wouldn't miss out on any of the banter. Yeah. So it worked out pretty well. Pretty cool. Um, what are some of the projects you've been working on? You, you mentioned uh, you have your background blurred out, so I can't really see your many projects that you talked about on your workbench. But uh, yeah. tell us some about uh, some of those things, the projects, builds, antennas, backup power maybe. I don't know. Um, what are you working on? So like you, I'm kind of a battery nerd. And, you know, you've helped me out with that a little bit um, without even knowing it really. Um, being in the IT industry, I have a lot of, shall we say, useless laptops. Uh, and yeah. the batteries in those, although you can test them on, you know, your typical battery tester, they show dead, the cells in them are still good. So I actually have a board over to my right here where I can charge 16 18650 batteries at a time mm-hmm. and it runs through a testing you know project that's all Arduino based and catalogs all of the batteries and I can actually make my own battery packs off of that. Mm, okay, so it um, does like a charge discharge cycle and gets the stats on on the high yeah. and low and all that kind of stuff. The high, low, um, internal resistance, you know, and it even has a temperature sensor on it. So Mm. if it starts to, you know, go way out of spec on temperature, it shuts it off and marks it as a bad battery. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was something I found on the internet and was like, oh, that should be pretty easy to build. And, you know, ordered the circuit boards and all the parts and, you know had to wait for AliExpress to make my deliveries and 
you know yep go from there um so yeah i actually have my backup battery which is a 24 volt um, at my feet here in a ammo can for when i do my poda run this weekend in case my bio inno doesn't last through seven parks oh okay and you got yeah, a, you got some kind of buck converter on that to bump it down to 12. Yeah, I did a, um, there's a buck converter in the box that does 24 down to 13.8. Yep. And, you know, that way, and it will do it at 60 amps. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I spent a little bit on that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you learn where to spend your money. and Yeah. A little, you, little bit of juice in that battery. You can uh, probably yeah. uh, run several rigs with that thing. <sighs> Well, you know, I, right now my Poda rig is a 891, and I do a full 100 watts. Um, I should learn from my buddy Shane and, you know, kick it back to about 80 watts and get a little more life out of the battery. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, why turn the volume down when you can leave it at, you know, 11? Yeah. You've seen the clubhouse, <laughs> you know, yeah. we like to rock a little, <laughs> but so. well, that's cool. So you got your backup battery power, um, any type of, uh, like solder projects that you're working on, any kind of boards or transceivers? Well, so I do have, I, I purchased a remote antenna switch, um, off of eBay and it was just the circuit board with the components. No instructions, no nothing. And I started to put it together. You can actually see it behind me here. Um, it's a little green board over my shoulder. Yeah, I see it. And I was looking at it, I was like, okay, this is all well and good, but now I need to find a box that fits it, you know, so I can waterproof it because I want one line coming into the shack as well as, you know, the telephone line or whatever to control it so that was going to be an outside box well i couldn't find a waterproof box that fit it you know that i could run all my cables into um, so i found another one online that actually came in the waterproof box but it's a kit so it's sitting down here at my feet that's one of my next projects because i think i want to put a uh hex beam up on the roof nice and giant know, inverted umbrella with, yep with a rotator so yes that was a dream of mine yeah. until i realized that my uh community rules and guidelines prohibited such a audacity of uh of an antenna to be put on there so now i'm resorting to more stealth antenna types well, you know, I, I would like to do the step IR, but um, I have a chimney that would prevent that. Yeah. Right in the middle of my roof. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that I could mount that to the top of it. So you kind of do want to do what Josh is doing. Yeah. The step IR. I, I'd like to. Um, that's, like I said, when I grow up, that will probably be my antenna of choice. Mm -hmm. um, just from what I've seen, um, you know, 705 into that Mercury 3 with a step IR, oh, I yeah. think would be a nice little setup. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so far you have been uh, 
taken that 705 out? Have you been uh, getting a lot of contacts with it? I've I've done a few activations with it. Um, QRP is tough right now with the solar cycle where it is. Um, but I have been able to do you know a couple of successful activations, mostly digital with that one. Um, which is nice because I can use the GPS clock to sync my laptop and get the time corrected. You know, so I don't have to hotspot the phone to have network time. I can pull it off the GPS. Yeah. That's, that's, really that's a cool. bonus to that one. It's so cool how that all happens. Just uh, able to connect all these different modular things that it's not really the intended purpose but you're able to pull time sync and, and other things through different mm -hmm. means. But yeah, you know, and I take that one out with me, you know, to try to do the activation QRP. Um, if I can't get through, you know, or people are giving me, you know, really weak reports like a three, three, you know, or worse, that's when I reach over, grab the go box and fire up the, 891 yeah. and push it with 100 watts there you go and then i usually get a 5.9 you know <laughs> <laughs> like oh you go from 10 watts to you know 100 and all yeah. of a sudden they can hear you what's the antenna so. you use for for your poda um so i've got a few different ones that i take with me um i started out with the wolf river coil and that one works out fairly decently um i do have that on a lip mount on the trunk of the car so i can activate from inside the car because the mosquitoes out here will carry you away <laughs> unfortunately i can't have the car running because the noise level gets to be too high so it defeats the purpose of going out and playing radio um, so i sit in the car with the windows cracked and sweat and play radio um, but wow you know, it, it works out. Um, I also have the MFJ Big Ears, mm -hmm. which is, you know, an elevated dipole, basically. Yeah. And then I've got the KM4 ACK NFED. Yep. That, you know, if I just need to throw a wire up and work a little bit, that's a absolutely amazing antenna. So I imagine if you're... Going QRP first, you're going to try probably the NFED, maybe even the big ears, but then switch it up for the 891. You got to go to 100 watts. So you're going to get the big guns and get the more durable antennas. Like, I think I was joking with somebody in the past interview about running 100 watts through KM4ACK's uh, <laughs> antenna. That, that, would, that would be your snack. Yes. Um. <laughs> Just a test. <laughs> It gets a little warm, shall we say? Yeah, yes. Yeah, it gets a get the glow on that toroid. <laughs> you know, you just gotta have fun. It's yes. all about having fun. Yes. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, Dan's Dan's good people. I, I like like hanging with him. Yeah. So, but yeah, the the big ears will take the hundred watts. Will actually take more. Um, the Wolf River coil is kind of limited to 100 watts, um, and that's sideband. Don't try to push 100 watts digital through that one. Which I have I done. 
Uh, my club president <laughs> did as well, and the coil tends to shrink a little bit, you know. I actually didn't even notice anything wrong after it, but, you know, I, I didn't check on it right when I stopped, so maybe it was a little heated up. Oh, no, his is still a little deformed. Oh, really? But, you know, he did a hour and a half, two hour activation on FT8. <laughs> You know. Okay, so that's um, quite a duty cycle on. Yeah, coil. he ended up going to the platinum coil, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I got the idea of the trunk mount was from him. And he runs a seventy three hundred mm-hmm. on digital from his car, and even with the platinum, he has uh, a couple of burn marks on it. Nice. You know, he got it to arc. So just uh, just put a little asterisk and say not recommended. But certainly capable. In, a, capable, in an emergency, but not recommended. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. Somebody showed him F- FT8, and that's pretty much how he activates now. And yeah, I like I like talking to people. FT8's fun, um, you know, for getting out and you know getting the worked all states, which I'm still working on. But if I'm out in the park. You know, unless I'm listening to the podcast or something, I want to be on sideband. Yeah. I want that interaction. That makes sense. I could imagine, and, though, that FT8 is a super fast activation. It can be. It can be. Um, and then it can also be very difficult at times. You know, because if you look at the screen on FT8, yeah, you may be hearing somebody at a plus two or a plus four. But what are they hearing you at? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I know I had one contact where I gave him a plus eight and he came back with a negative 18. Nice. So it was like and completely I'm, different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. I, I could hear him great. He mm-hmm. couldn't hear me. Of course, I think he was running a little more than 500 watts. We're not going to say who it was, you know. Mm-hmm. But okay. It tends to be on the FT8 off quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's been a really fast hour. It's been fascinating talking to you. And uh, I want to say thank you also for all the insights about being a VE and, and getting so many people licensed. Uh, just wanted to end with uh, to see if you had anything else you wanted to say or plug or give advice about before we close here. The only thing I want to plug is the Ham Radio Clubhouse, you know, Tuesday nights. I come out, hang out. It's a lot of fun. And we may, you know, throw the key under the mat and let let you join in. Yep. So. And you know my episode with the clubhouse. I got peer pressured. <laughs> yeah, we tend to do that from time to time, you know. Scout 75. Yeah. He's like, we're not going to be friends anymore unless you get on there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm going to throw it out there. There may be a special guest coming soon on the clubhouse. There we go. Okay. Well, we're, we're getting somebody a little more comfortable with the camera. Nice. So. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, again, Steve, uh, it's been cool talking with you. If, if any of you, can I say this? You know, if anyone yeah. is interested in being a VE, reach out to Steve. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, his, uh, I believe you're, you got all your contact info on QRZ as well as being on the clubhouse. You can reach out during the live chats of that. And you're also on Twitter. Uh, I'll get yeah. all that stuff in the show notes. 
And uh, yeah, I just want to say, keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's great. I'm glad you're there to help get these uh, 100 plus people sessions going. <laughs> That's still amazing to me. I can't believe you're going through that. Yeah. But. Those numbers have kind of dropped off. Um, we yeah. don't know if it's, you know, people have given up on testing or if it's just the summer and things are opening back up. But, yeah, you know. But thanks for setting the precedent and, and getting people their license. I mean, there was there was a great resurgence of interest in ham radio during COVID, mostly because of, you know, a lot of social media about it, thanks to Josh throwing the gauntlet down saying, if you have something to say about ham radio, share it on social media, make it normalized. And so there was a pent up demand for people wanting to get licensed. They're seeing everyone having fun on radio and they're like, well, how do I get licensed? My club is not accepting any people right now. And, and then uh, here you are helping uh, yep. get that done remotely so that people can join in the fun. So yep. thank you, Steve, for, for that. And again, Hold me to it, man. I want to be part of a session. I want to want to help where I can. Yeah, definitely. I've been sit on, sitting on this uh, on these badges for for several months now. <laughs> so. uh, we got to fix that. We got to fix that. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, I'll be talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, I'll say seven three for now. See you later. Seventy threes. been listening to Hamdom Thoughts by 86DM. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you again next time. Oh, and I forgot to do this in the beginning, but I need to, uh, I need to do this in honor of the tech prepper. I need to slurp. He had a comment about his slurping coffee in his videos, so I had to do that for him. <laughs> <laughs>